The difference between other countries and ours is that our documents don't give us any rights. Our document simply tells government when they're infringing on them. Are you freaking kidding me? Oye chico, get kidding me, get kidding me. As Americans, we need to stop being so dependent in government. Government is not the solution. Government is actually the problem. Enough is enough. It's time to put America first. Welcome everyone. Bienvenidos to another podcast for the Hispanics Lead Right, presented by the Republican National Hispanic Assembly of Florida. Welcome, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to another podcast with the Hispanics Lead Right. I am your host, Santiago Avila Jr., and I am here with Darlene Swaffer, who is running for Congress in District 22. Darlene, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for asking and having me join on your podcast today. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Darlene, uh, let's get started. T tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I have um, 27 years residing in South Florida, and I really love, you know, where my life has, has uh, where it's come from and where it's kind of led me to where I am today. Um, I came here in 93, and at that time I got involved with the Puerto Rican Chamber of Commerce and served as their executive director for four years, bringing the chamber from Dade to Broward County, and that got me in my start of community service. Uh, from there, I also uh, served some time on the Women's Chamber of Commerce, um, the Caribbean Chamber of Commerce, did some joint networking functions with the Broward Latin Chamber. And uh, it really was a pleasure um, to be of service to my community. And a lot of what we did at the time was we did educational workshops to train somebody on how to be an entrepreneur, how to do business with their local county, um, city, state, uh, or even other states, how to get certified as a minority-owned business, women-owned, veteran-owned business. And um, we also did scholarship fundraising events where we raised money for ASPIDA. Oh, wow, and, okay. Yeah, and we did, um, we did trade shows um, with other chambers and I think that foundation in in the early part of my business career here in South Florida has really helped me in so many ways so many ways to to be of service to my community and also how to start a business for myself so for the last 10 years I have an insurance business. I started working first for New York Life. Then I worked for six years uh, for Humana. And that's where I learned the Medicare side of insurance. Okay. And uh, for the last, it's going on three years now, I have my own you know, brick and mortar retail store. I have 30 agents. And our wow. expertise is everything with regards to health insurance, predominantly Medicare. So individual group health, as well as Medicare insurance. And as a broker, we're licensed with all the carriers. And it's a, it's a different concept because the model for how Medicare insurance sales goes is seniors would like an insurance agent to go into their home. And what we did was we still offer that, but we now have a, a site 
that they can go to where we do monthly educational seminars. And we are also contracted with all the carriers, not just one. So they can get all their answers in one visit. Um, and That's I think that, great. you know, yeah, so it's, it's a different concept here. And it's being really embraced by the local community because my office is across the street from a major retirement community called Century Village in Deerfield Beach. Okay. But my background, you know, what kind of propelled me to even consider running for Congress is, you know, it's a it's a very polarized state of affairs that we see right now kind of playing out in our in our government. And I just like a lot of people, I was never really interested in politics. In fact, in my 30s, um, Louis de Rosa from the Puerto Rican Chamber of Commerce had really tried to entice me, kept planting these seeds in my mind, asking me if I would run. And I even told him back then, Louis, I don't think I could ever consider that. Like, why would I want to subject my life um, to scrutiny or false allegations? I mean, politics was pretty evil back then, right? It's still pretty evil so, now. Let me ask you a quick question, Darlene. Because mm-hmm. um, I caught something. You said um, uh, where you came from. Can you tell our con- the, the people that are listening, your potential constituency where 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 do where did you come from uh what what is your heritage mm-hmm. uh some of that more of that personal stuff i'm originally from new york i grew up in brooklyn and my mom is originally from puerto rico from aguadilla my okay. grandmother and her family are originally from aguada and mocha going back like several hundred years okay wow okay And um, it's interesting because my grandfather, um, he can trace, at the time I remember tracing back his lineage was all the way back to the Tainos. He was in the west, the west side of the island. They owned the farm and their family owned that, that piece of land for generations. But my grandmother, who he married, her family came from Spain. And they were uh, all from Palma de Mallorca, Spain. And I was able to trace my grandmother's side of the family back to 1622, which was really cool. Oh, that, so, that's very impressive. <laughs> yeah, it was really neat. So um, so back back to them going to New York, it was around the 50s that they went to New York. And, um, you know, my mom married my dad, and he passed away when we were really young. We were just, Sorry I think I might have been six years old. No, it's okay. I was about six. And so that left my mom as a single parent trying to raise, you know, three children. And, um, you know, she she really wasn't educated past the eighth grade. Back then was a different thing. You know, everybody was struggling. Mm. And it was just common knowledge that, you know, education wasn't as important as working and making money and providing for the entire family. So her and my and my aunt um, didn't make it to high school. They 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 were in a way kind of forced to go to work and, um, you know, try to provide for her younger brothers and her mom and and father. And so when she, um, you know, when my father passed away, the only job she can get at the time in Brooklyn was as a a mirror worker in the sweater factory. And when my father passed away, she worked like six to seven days a week and it was, uh, no low income. She could only afford to live at the time in Bushwick, Brooklyn. And Bushwick, Brooklyn, I think when we first moved there, wasn't as bad it, as it had become. You know, it, it wound up being 
like a drug war zone. You know, the, you know our our block was called the supermarket of drugs wow. in the Daily News, and uh, it was everything you can imagine in your mind. You know, uh, drug wars, gangs, killers, you know, prostitutes in the corner, people walking around high on crack like zombies, mm-hmm. um, strung out right on your doorstep. And um, and I recall for about three or four years, we had police barricades on the corner of my street on each side. And I had to show ID just to get past the police barricades, just to get to my, my apartment. And for all those years, every single day, because it was always a different police officer at that barricade, I always was harassed because they swore I was there to buy drugs. Wow. Darlene, with, with all that mm-hmm. stuff going on, let me ask you a question. Um, who who inspires mm-hmm. you? In, in general, um, many people. I've had many mentors in my life. In fact, one of them was who I had shared earlier, you know, Louis DeRosa. He had asked me, you know, when I was in my early 30s to consider running. And like I said, I that was the furthest, furthest thing from my mind. Um, what's inspiring me right now to run is I, I'm concerned about the future of where this country is going. And I no longer want to be in a position where I'm only concerned about my peaceful, beautiful life. And I want, I can't wait to come home and see my favorite program on TV. You know, I think that there's a lot more to life. And I think in general, we all need to step it up and get involved if we're going to protect and enrich the future for our children. I, I agree um, with you 100% so, on that. So right. what what vision do you have for your district? Well, there's it's two specific things. Um, and I think the most important uh, item that for whatever reason, and I think, our, you know, my current incumbent could have done so much in this area is economic development. So South Florida, Dade, Broward, and Palm Beach County is considered South Mm -hmm. Florida. Dade County has done an excellent job of diversifying their economy, okay? They don't have cyclical ups and downs all year round. They are busy 24-7. Broward and Palm Beach is complete opposite. We are completely driven by tourism and the snowbirds and the retirement community. And when snowbirds go back up north, and, you know, they take half the retirement community away from them, you know, who, you know, we have the Canadians and we also have snowbirds that live in the northern part of, of the U.S. It becomes really, really dead here from like May through September. And then what happens is you have local businesses like nail salons, hair salons, movie theaters, restaurants, hotels, you know, local attractions um, that struggle in those months. And in fact, many that start their business may go out of business. A lot of businesses don't last a year. Let, let year. me ask you this, um, you know, since you're talking about snowbirds and, and people that come from vacationing and, and you know what, you're right. Um, uh, every, every single economy is a little bit different <clears throat> and you just have to find a way to uh, be able to make sure you have a booming economy or a booming economy, uh, economy constantly. Yeah. Um, I know here in Florida, in mm-hmm. central Florida, uh, you know, we rely a lot on, on tourism 
uh, just like uh, Miami, but at the same time, you know, like you said, Miami diversified a little bit. So they attract not only tourism, they attract businesses and, and things like that. So you're correct. Broward and Palm Beach uh, can do a little bit better. But that being said, um, do you plan do you plan on being a what we call a vacation or a snowbird politician uh, during during um, if you get elected? I mean, are we only going to see mm-hmm. you during election time or are you going to stay and be involved within your community? Well, I, I still have my business, so I can't let my business go. Okay. Okay. I can't let my licenses go. I have to stay licensed. Otherwise, the revenue I've built up for the last 10 years will go away with it. And I can't let my team go. So I still have to, in a way, manage that off-site and hire someone to manage um, the operation on my mm-hmm. behalf. Um, but it's required for congressmen and women to have two offices, one here and one up north and congress is in session about 120 to 130 days a year the rest of the time you're supposed to be here you know supporting your community but i i really want to go back santiago if it's okay with you on what my plan was for economic development because i have a specific plan okay and that plan came from my experience when i served on the board for the puerto rican chamber of commerce Um, so primary primary assets related to Florida is the fact that we don't have state taxes here. Secondly, we have ample commercial space available for lease or for purchase. We have a highly skilled, highly trained, multilingual and educated workforce. And the reason why I know that is because For about eight years, I was a corporate recruiter recruiting for major companies here. I understand the dynamics of the workforce in South Florida. And so I understand assets, how to attract a company here. But the plan to do it would be first to contact Gary Press from the um, South Florida Business Journal to contact the economic development boards for Broward and Palm Beach County to contact the hotels, contact the, the top commercial uh, realtors in the area, contact the staffing firms, and then call a meeting with all these entities into one place to come up with a proposal that I can bring personally to major corporations to entice them to do business in South Florida. You see, and what you're, what you're Or, saying there, darling, the I don't mean to interrupt you. Uh, that's what I was getting, that's what I was alluding to is Uh, you just brought something up in your plan that I think is is amazing. You said that you would contact the same people that live in, in both Palm Beach and Broward County and get them involved. And and, and the reason I'm bringing that up is because uh, your your uh, opponent, nobody's that. There's people that have never even seen him. So that's correct. That's correct. And 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 all the time that he was. In D.C., he could have been doing this. I mean, he's working with PACs. He's working with lobbyists. He's working with major corporations wanting to gain his influence influence on major legislative issues. He had all that opportunity to do that. So, but that's just one. That's just one item that needs to be focused on. I mean, we. I, I'm the Medicare lady. I'm trademarked as the Medicare lady, and I was just up there 
not even a month ago, I was in DC for the Nahu Healthcare Legislative yes. Conference. Once a year, they all go up there and they talk about, here's all the issues all year round that our clients have brought to us with regards to health insurance, individual group and Medicare. These are the issues, okay? And so for two days, we listen to speeches on all these issues. And then the, we, we take two days to meet with our elected officials to say, these are the issues. What is your stance on it? Can we get your support on it? This is what is affecting our community. And I was I was up there for that conference, okay? okay. And my concern is what we heard while we were up there is that they are 100% for Medicare for all, or Medicare shall I say none. Medicare yeah. for none? Uh, Right. And that concerns me because I'm as the Medicare lady, my clients call me and they're worried. They're terrified. They feel that their benefits are going to be taken away from them after they paid into it. And they're entitled to those benefits. Okay. Through payroll taxes, their whole lives, they paid for these yes. benefits. And now you're going to take those benefits and give it to individuals who never paid into it. You see, do you think that that's going to spread the risk no, it's not. It's actually going to increase the risk and it's going to spread out the benefits and make co-pays higher. I don't know how they expect to do it other than bankrupting this country in less than 10 years. But that's the thing about a lot of the rhetoric that comes from the presidential candidates and people like AOC. You know, I think I think, number one, we need to require everybody that runs for Congress to take an accounting 101 course because you can't spend more than you take in. Darlene, I think... And they never have a budget for uh, Yeah, exactly. I think actually one of the first courses, everybody that runs for Congress, regardless of who they are, they, they really need to take a Constitution 101 class. Um, there's a, a lot of people that don't, don't even know uh, what the Constitution is. They've never read it. But on that note, mm -hmm. we're going to take a very quick break. We have to pay the, the light bill. Mm -hmm. And uh, let's hear from our sponsors and we'll be right back. Parada Mortgage, 800-731-3024. We believe that there is a mortgage program for everyone. And so we finance and guide our clients. As a veteran-owned business, we give back to our veterans. Let us finance you and make your American dream come true. Apply online at paradamortgage.us. And we're back for the second segment of Hispanics Lead Right. We have Darlene Swaffer, who's running for Congress in District 22. Darlene, thank you for staying with us. Darlene, before we went on our commercial break, uh, we were talking about uh, some of the courses some people need to take in Congress uh, and, you know, not knowing what the Constitution is. I, I, I had this thing where I hear a lot of people every day on both sides, left and right, they're talking about uh, uh, convention of states and, oh, you know, we, we need to rewrite the Constitution. 
And my argument to them is we don't have to rewrite the Constitution. A lot of us need to reread the Constitution. And in many cases, we have to read it for the first time. So that being said, right. I want to ask you, what does the Constitution mean to you? Oh, I'm so happy you asked me this question because this is something that's so important to me. And I have to give you a little history why it's important to me. So remember when I told you about how I found out about my mom's side yes. of the family in Ancestry.com? Well, on my father's side of the family, which I knew very little about, because remember, he passed away when I was a little girl. I, I found out some amazing things. So I found out that my grandfathers on his side fought in the Revolutionary War, the War of 1812 and the wow. Civil War. And when I further back... I learned that my ninth great grandfather is Josiah Franklin, which makes Benjamin Franklin my ninth great uncle. Wow. And when I learned that, that's what started me on this search of our own American history. And I did so much research on the Bill of Rights and our Constitution and, you know, what what brought out the Revolutionary War and how brilliant, how brilliant our forefathers were to create a and how the sacrifices um, amazing sacrifices if you have a chance go to youtube and type paul harvey and his video on the constitution which i think is like maybe a little over 10 minutes and he literally details the signers of the declaration of independence he calls it the gallant 56 and each one pledged their life, um, their honor, and their fortunes. Okay, or rather in the, their life, their fortunes, and their sacred honor. And they literally sacrificed their life because the moment they signed the Declaration of Independence was an act of treason, according to King it was. George. And when the British soldiers came here, they were hunted down. Their, their ships were destroyed in the harbor their plantations were destroyed they were hunted down like animals in the forest when they were trying to flee away um you know they lost their wives they lost their children um many many of them lost everything including um john hancock which at the time he was one of the most he wealthiest was. men he was you know and he lost almost everything okay and and so you know we already have such a beautifully written document that really outlines you know we our inalienable rights come from god and so basically the constitution reiterates those rights and the only purpose of government is to serve we the people and our government has forgotten about they've, they forgot who they serve they've written a lot of laws that actually go against the Constitution. And even if you look at like our Second Amendment rights, our right to bear arms, there's a reason why we have the first freedom of speech. And the second uh, is the right to bear arms is to protect us from a tyrannical government. So when you see all these laws on the books that have to do with limiting our rights, that's technically unconstitutional. Folks, you're listening, if you you're really listening to somebody that has obviously read the Constitution of the United States. It doesn't happen very often, especially since she's running for office, for Congress, for the lower cabinet of Congress. 
And that that to me is just if everybody knew as much as Darlene knew, maybe even half of what Darlene is saying, I think our country would be in such a different place than what it is now. And Darlene, you're right. Um, our constitution doesn't give us our rights. The constitution simply tells government when they're infringing on them. Our rights are inalienable Correct. and enumerated, and we were given. It was given to us by God. So. By God, and, and when I hear you talk, I mean I get goosebumps. You know, you you mentioned that we're a republic. How many people do I hear every day talk about we're a democracy and we're not? We're not a democracy. We're not. We're, we're a republic. We're not because because if you have a state like Iowa, and then you take a state like New York, you can't have a democracy overrule what could benefit a state of Iowa that has like a fraction of the population. Correct. There's a reason why we have an electoral college. There's a reason why every state has to be represented equally. And what's amazing is that our forefathers foresaw that. I mean, they, you know, you have to understand, they studied governments all over the world. It wasn't like they were not fly by night. They studied, okay, how, how is a communist country rule historically how has that um succeeded well it didn't okay how do how does the socialist country work okay that hasn't worked either how does a, a monarchy work well you know you all the power goes to the king and everybody gets taxed and we don't have a say in it you know they really looked at everything they died they died they, 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 they did it. And, and you know i i started studying a lot of the constitution with a lady by the name of chris ann hall somebody that i admire a lot and mm -hmm. i look up to And, uh, you know, looking back at our founding fathers, okay, um, even within them, they, they didn't agree on everything. That's why you have the Federalist Papers, Anti-Federalist Papers. Right. Um, so looking right. at all that, you're, you're heading into a, a very hostile area, a very hostile place called Congress. Um, can you give me an example of how you've worked with people who did not share your philosophy or values and how you were able to convince them of what was right. In other words, because I always tell people, it's okay to be able to uh, 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 compromise on certain things, but never on your values. You should never have to compromise right. on your values. So can you give me an example? Okay. Well, I, you know, very luckily throughout my professional career, I've taken a lot of different courses, conflict resolution, emotional intelligence, listening skills, customer focused sales skills. All of that taught me how to go into any situation and literally in a way you got to take a back, you have to take a back seat and listen before you have something that you can contribute. By nature, I'm not hostile. By nature, I'm sort of like the negotiator. I'm a, I'm a strategic thinker that's focused always on problem solving. I never, I never look at the problem. If I'm presented with a problem, I'm always looking at what's my plan A, my plan B, plan, my plan C. And because I'm an entrepreneur, I'm always looking at the win-win. Okay. okay. So I don't really have a lot of situations where I go in, um, where there's all that conflict. I feel like I'd be, you know, 
walking into the wolves den <laughs> in Congress. I already experienced it a little bit of it. And I'll tell you this, you know, something came up because we're in the middle of a coronavirus pandemic uh, where we're asked to shelter in place and, and do social distance, distancing. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of individuals that are running for different uh, elected positions within the state, within the county, city, uh, for Congress, they're trying to appeal to Governor Ron DeSantis to either delay the filing fee that's uh, due next month in April or um, to reduce the filing fee. So for me to get on the ballot costs $10,440. Some people want to reduce that or delay and there's about 35 people that came together. It's completely, you know, bi- bipartisan, which I was really appreciating, but it quickly turned partisan. Wow. It quickly turned very quickly. And, you know, it didn't come from anyone who's a registered Republican um, couple independents. It came from Democrats right away through email blasts, you know, saying negative things about Democrats in general, not realizing that not realizing that we had several Republicans that were part of this initiative. So the moment that I saw that, I pulled myself out. And the reason why I pulled myself out is I have I've worked very hard, Santiago, for the last uh, seven, mm-hmm. eight months on my campaign all grassroots, all fundraising. So I have the 10400 to pay for the filing fee for next month. I have okay. it. I was only getting involved to help other candidates, okay? And secondly, I have a spotless background. I want no controversy. And I also focus on, um, from, my, from my background, it's all about feeding the pipeline and, you know, seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. And so I want no distractions. So I kind of feel like, you know, I could I could have participated with that, but it's the end result wouldn't have helped me. It would have helped them. And with with that bickering, I didn't want to be a part of it. So, you know, with that example, I'm going to be facing that, I'm sure, in Congress. I have to pick and choose my battles. I have to pick and choose, you know, which projects I, I want to work on. But I'll, I'll tell you, there's a lot of projects in Congress that if it doesn't serve my community in District 22, I may not be interested in participating because, and that's where they lose sight. They start talking and bickering. Look at what AOC, she's advocating on behalf of illegal immigrants and not Americans. Why would I want to pay attention to anything she has to say? I know I'm supposed to work with her, but why would I want to be focused on that? None of what she's talking about helps my community here. So let me ask you this, based on that, uh, based on what you're saying, because I, I think you're, you're 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 hitting a nerve, and I think people um, want it, want to know more. I mean, obviously, I, I personally, I, I really like what you're saying. I like where you're coming from. It seems like you work great under stress and under time constraints. Uh, given the example you just gave me uh, regarding your filing fee or petitions, um, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. what? What is that one legislation that you would like to have passed on your first term if elected? That one thing that will define your future in Congress? I think I think because the two major focuses in this country is economic development and health care. It wouldn't just be one, Santiago. It'd okay. be two. Number one, I want to make sure 
that Medicare is protected from my seniors. There's a lot of seniors in my district, a lot. Okay, we're talking about thousands, okay? It's it's a good percentage. So I want to make sure that Medicare is protected. When I was up at the Nahu conference, I was one of five selected to do a pitch on what I'd like to see for individual health insurance. And mine was focused on individuals that um, are quite healthy, that don't take medications, that don't have any chronic conditions. And I wanted to see an individual health plan that added acupuncture, chiropractic care, massage therapy, you know, vitamin supplements in lieu of perhaps prescription drug plans. So that was my pitch. I'd like to see something like that nationwide. Um, because I know millions would buy like a more that. holistic approach, um, so, right? Holistic, natural correct. approach. So, correct. So that's I would like to get a handle on healthcare because it, it strikes a nerve with a lot of people. And second thing would be I want to focus on creating a much more stable economy for Broward and Palm Beach because if these companies come here, they're going to bring with them high paying jobs, which bring year round residents. And that is my ultimate goal is to, you know, not have the cyclical economy to bring in some other industries that aren't, I guess, atypical for South Florida. Okay. Okay. So would you, would you be in favor of something like, for example, um, and I know, and I know we're touching very delicate things that sometimes, uh, people that are running for Congress don't even want to bring up, but for example, like social security, Medicare, like you mentioned, you know, for example, um, Mm -hmm. for somebody that is already retired, not touch it for Mm -hmm. that, but for somebody, for example, I'm 37 years old. Uh, maybe, maybe Mm -hmm. I'm past that time, but let's just say somebody has 25. Let's just use that as an example where they can transition away from social security that we all know is bankrupt and kind of let them invest mm-hmm. that money on their own, um, you know, mm-hmm. while not messing with the social security for those that have already put so much into it. So future generations mm-hmm. can invest their money whichever way they want and not continue to mm-hmm. put it into a failing program. Right. Well, it's the only reason it's um, what's unfortunate, Santiago, is that it it wouldn't have been failing if they didn't keep robbing it over the last several decades. You know, if they left our Social Security alone, it actually would have worked the way that it was intended. Mm -hmm. But I am all for privatizing Social Security. Maybe we can look at a hybrid solution where half the money that's currently in um, Social Security be maybe invested on emerging markets or emerging technologies um, and see if we can get a better return on our investment. Yes. You see what I'm saying? Uh, or if you, what I, what I think you're asking is having someone make the decision whether from the beginning, from the onset of their career, whether they want to contribute to social security or instead contribute altogether into some type of That's investment exactly program. What I'm okay. And it makes sense. It makes sense. It's been talked about in Congress. It always gets shot down. Um, but maybe a hybrid solution would um, be more appealing or welcoming as a thought, you know. But but you have to understand the reason why it keeps being shot down is if you work for a company that offers a 401k plan, mm-hmm. let's say, 
How many people actually contribute into the 401k? Do you know how many people in their 20s don't even think about doing it? I don't you know. know. They can't <laughs> Right. Okay. So that's a good question. So you might want to research that because the number's quite high. They they can't part with the five dollars. They'd rather buy you know a cup of coffee at Starbucks. And you know it's it's unbelievable so, because when I say I don't know, I mean like, um, for example, when one of my first jobs was working at Washington Mutual, and the moment I was mm -hmm. offered a four hundred one k. And I was offered all these investment stuff. I went crazy. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to be rich by the time I retire. So I, at right. 19 years old, I was in, I, I had a 401k. Um, I had my IRA. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, but mm -hmm. then again, like you said, maybe, you know, not everybody's, not everybody thinks that way. So. Not everybody does. And I remember this admin at Humana. I'll never forget her. She's cutest pie. Her name is uh, Vanessa. And she was trying to contemplate, should I, shouldn't I? And I was the one encouraging her to do it. And I said, in fact, the company matches you the first 6% that you contribute. Never contribute less than that at a minimum. And then there was advice that I was given. See, my first job was in Wall Street in New York. I worked for, for Shearson Lehman. And a managing partner at the time gave me advice that I'll never forget. He, he said, Darlene, don't do what most people do. 99% of the people out there, they put money in their 401k and then they never pay attention to it. And you can't do it that way. Every single quarter, you need to analyze your 401k and look at which stocks are doing well, which ones are not, and keep moving your money to the stocks that are doing well. Don't just kind of leave it there for 20, 30 years thinking you're going to like do great. So I gave her that advice and she took my advice and she was just seeing every quarter when she got her statement, she was just like so excited. So, you know, I agree with you that, you know, you, you had the foresight to embrace it. The problem is a lot of young people don't embrace right. it. And then they rely on, you know, I, I can't tell you, see, I work with seniors and I can't tell you how many seniors all they have for income, a hundred percent of their income comes from social security. And that's it. Yeah. Like they hardly have any savings. They don't have a 401k. They don't have an annuity. They don't have an IRA and that's it. That's all they have. So let's say their income is $1,200 a month. Mm -hmm. That's all they have every month. That's all they have to pay for everything. And of course, they're living paycheck to paycheck. And of course, they're living under the federal poverty level limit. I mean, that's that's really low. But you have that. You have a lot of people that are not responsible with their own finances. And that's what brought up the whole topic of Social Security. That's where it came from. Let, let me ask you this, Darlene, since we're talking about looking into the future, Social Security, Medicare, wh where do you see yourself in five years? Um, you know, whether you want to talk about politics, personal life, a mixture of both. Um, I'm trying mm -hmm. to I'm trying to get a, a mindset for those that are listening for your potential constituency. Mm -hmm. uh, usually, if if we know where you think you'll be, we have an idea of where your mindset is. So, where do you see yourself in five years? Well, before I decided to run for office, my whole five and ten year goal was to have several, you know, Sunshine Insurance Associate offices all over the state of Florida. And I'm still going forward with that plan and that trajectory. Serving for Congress 
my first term is just two years. Okay, I want to see how I do because what concerns me is what happened with uh, Alan West yes. when he was first elected. Um, he got in there, and they basically it was the Republican Party that did it. I, I don't know if he didn't have a backbone um, to do what he wanted to do with his position, but they basically had him on a fundraising tour all over the country. And then when it was time to get reelected, he could he didn't have anything to show for the first two years of him being in office, and he. I don't know if he didn't get elected or he didn't run again, but then he decided to move to Texas and try to run there, and he lost. Like he tried to run in Texas yeah. and he lost. And I've heard this before, and that's not what I. I'm actually. I'm telling you, I will go into Congress and I will call out all the corruption. I, I will be on a tear. I will be. I would see. I'm not a politician. I'm not going for political reasons. I'm not. I have no political aspirations. Okay, I'm going in there to clean house. That is my only motivation. And if I do well in the first two years, and I decide, you know what? I think I, I need another two years to continue my mission. I'll know it then. So I really can't answer your question right now about five years, and that's me being very, very transparent. I have to get in there and find out is it as is it as corrupt as they say it is. Well, you technically is. did answer it because you know you gave it on the person on the political side. That you know what your answer was was in my opinion was great. Uh, but you know, you, just by you saying that you have a five-year plan, a ten-year plan, uh, that that says a lot about you, Darlene. I'm very impressed with you. Um, let me mm. let me ask you. Um, do you, can you give us any final thoughts um, as we come to a close here? Any final thoughts? Um, what areas your does your district encompass and things like that? Okay. Well, my district starts with a majority of Boca Raton. So it's everything east of the turnpike for Boca Raton. And then it's the northern part of Broward County, which includes Coral Springs, Parkland, Coconut Creek, Deerfield Beach. There's a part of Margate, um, most of Pompano Beach, and then all the beaches going all the way down to Fort Lauderdale Beach. And We don't have, you know, in my opinion, a representative that is concerned with what's happening locally. Um, an example of that is, you know, the infrastructure in Fort Lauderdale is is breaking apart. The current infrastructure was put in place 50 years wow. ago. We have raw sewage leaking into pristine, beautiful waters, affecting marine life. And in that surrounding area, nobody could, you know, swim in the waters. They can't go to the beaches. Um, so I would be very visible to my community and I'm looking to make a change and I'm looking to prevent the rhetoric that you hear every day on TV about, you know, socialism ideas or ideologies or communism ideology. I'm going to shoot that down. I am the Trump conservative sw uh, squad. I will shoot down that rhetoric in two seconds. Um, and so, and I have a backbone and I, you know, that comes from Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> Darlene, where can people contact you? Where can they reach you? Where can they donate? Um, listen, if you, if you're, if you're successful, which we know you will be in winning you, you would literally be one of the, uh, right now we don't have any female Republican Hispanic women in Congress that's from right. Florida. You would fill that gap. That's right. I mean, for everybody that talks about, Thank you. oh, we need more diversity. Well, we shouldn't be voting on people based on their diversity. But 
we have a Hispanic lady right here, right now, that knows her constitution, that knows what that we are a republic, has an actual well, ideas. I mean, why why would a Democrat be against something like that? I mean, at this moment, well, I, let give, me tell you, it's not about a I'll party. Give you, I'll give you, so, I'll give you one better. I did a SWOT analysis. If you know what that is, that's strengths, weaknesses, yeah. opportunities, and threats. And so the SWOT analysis against me compared to anyone else running in my primary makes me the strongest candidate, 100%. If you Googled my name, okay, and if you looked at my background, you can't even compare. I've got the entrepreneur, I've got the Hispanic, I've got the woman, I've got the health insurance expertise, not only on individual health, but also Medicare. No one comes close to my level of experience. I have a successful business that I run and I, I teach 30 agents how to run their own individual Amazing. business. And I serve my community with distinction. I have community service awards from so many different major organizations. The last one was from the Small Business Administration Ted Women's Center, where my company won the Business Growth Award for 2019. Amazing. So as far as, as far as far as just looking at the SWOT analysis, I'm the strongest candidate running. So how can they reach me? My website is swafferforcongress.com. That's S-W-A-F-F-A-R-F-O-R congress.com. And then you'll see my background. You'll see where to donate. And you'll also see recent endorsements. And you'll see uh, information on media, like past podcasts that I've been on and how I've done. And um, I'd love some volunteers. So if anybody's interested in volunteering with our campaign, we had to unfortunately in March and April reschedule or cancel fundraising events. So that hurt us significantly. And I'm really asking, you know, the Hispanic community to band together and support my campaign because I will represent them with distinction as well. Well, Darlene, I appreciate you being on our podcast. Um, it, it was amazing. It was a great interview. I thought you did very well. And uh, I know that you're going to bring a lot of wealth to our constituency in District 22. And I'm sure that, you know, mm -hmm. if they have any questions, they'll reach out to you uh, to any of the uh, methods that you mentioned. And we'll have it. We'll have a couple of links uh, on, on, uh, when we share this, uh, podcast, but, uh, thank you again okay, for great. being on and, uh, we thank appreciate you. you. I appreciate it. And if, and if anybody would like me to speak at their, you know, upcoming club meeting or, um, you know, to their local community, I'd love the opportunity to speak, you know, when the whole coronavirus, you know, pandemic dies down and we're able to resume our normal everyday you know, work schedules. I'd love the opportunity if you'd like to invite Perfect. me. Sounds good. Thank you, darling. To those of you that were tuning in, I want to say thank you for listening to another podcast of Hispanics Lead Right. This has been another presentation of the Republican National Hispanic Assembly of Florida. Have a great day and thank you for listening.